You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Rick Francis. I'm pastor here. It's good to, good to have you with us today. If you haven't received one of, uh, one of the devotionals that we have, The Gift of Risk, want to just encourage you to do that and especially get it, get it out and go back and refer to it and reflect with it. It's got places to, to start journaling if you've never journaled before. This would be a wonderful, wonderful gift that you could give yourself and to Jesus and just kind of take some notes of, of what he's speaking to your heart and what your heart wants to speak to him. I think it'd be a great opportunity to experience that in a, in a fresh way. Well, my birthday comes two weeks before Jesus's. And uh, I had my birthday. And this year, without my mother being here, I was just thinking of, of how oftentimes we, we reflect and we, we remember birthdays. Uh, we got some kids here. Your birthday, what, what does mom do? What does, what does the family do? I remember always hearing the story of my birth. I was born at a very early age. And in my birth, I had no clothes. I was very embarrassed. And in the midst of that, I always hear my mom tell the story of my birth. And I can hear her even today telling, your fingernails were so long and the nurses wouldn't let me cut them. And your face was all scratched up because you were scratching yourself with your long fingernails. Well, somebody snuck some scissors to mom and she cut my nails before I got out of the hospital. But uh, that's kind of where we, we start with stories of birth. And then we hit the high points and the significant things and some of the things that they can embarrass you with uh, uh, as a family gathering. Uh, now my kids are getting really good at that. And, and when they're there, uh, I get roasted quite well done on both sides. And uh, I was thinking as we're preparing for Jesus's birth, the time that we celebrate his birth, you know, we, we go back to the, to the story that we went to the passage in Matthew today, and we read that and reflect upon that, and, and we, we consider that. And then we look at the high points of his life, uh, the wonderfulness of Jesus, and, and we let the Holy Spirit just kind of bring that into focus of the things that we really connect with Jesus when he was healing the leper or when he was uh, overturning the money tables in the temple, you know, those kind of things. And, and we usually get to the crucifixion and possibly to the resurrection and we stop. But to really consider the fullness of Jesus, we must understand that he is the ascended Lord. When we see him in his beauty and we see him sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we see him having conquered death and sin and vanquished fear and, and just victorious, going down into hell and taking the captives captive, just amazing the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and the wonder of Jesus. So today, we honor the birth of the ascended Lord Jesus. So we want to let love lead us. 
And when we look at, at taking risks, you can't, quali- can't get any greater risk than the risk of, of Jesus. You know, risking it all, humbling himself, taking the form and the fashion of man, the servant, becoming obedient even unto death. All the things that he laid down as he came. That's quite risky. But Jesus was raised in an environment of risk takers. We've already seen uh, through Linda's message on Mary, the the risks that Mary took and uh, the risk that Rick Baumgartner brought to us on the risk that Joseph took. When we look at that, they, they all risk the disgrace of their community. They, res- they risk possibly even death, the stoning of Mary for, quote, possibly being perceived as an adulterer. We see the risk of obedience, even in the midst of knowing the suffering that it was going to bring. And so Mary and Joseph continued to take risks. Joseph in particularly taking the risk of making decisions and plan of actions based on a dream, based on a dream that he had. Of course, there's probably a very convincing angel in that dream that helped. Uh, The influence of Mary and Joseph on Jesus, sometimes I think we, we don't perceive because we really haven't fully looked at Jesus in all his humanity but to realize that he emptied himself of, of all his deity as he came and took that form as a man, we find that uh, mom and dad, they were pretty big risk takers. And they believed what the Lord had said to them personally and then to them together as a, as a couple. So we find that uh, Jesus was greatly influenced by his parents to take risks. Our scripture for reflection today is is Luke 22, verse 42. And we're going to look at this verse and we're going to chop it up into three sections. Here's the whole verse. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yours be done. The first part of this verse, Father, if you're willing helps us to really connect and and to see Jesus knew what was coming. He had weeks, for weeks before, had been talking about going to Jerusalem and he turned his face like flint in the King James and he was committed to walking the path that was set before him. But now as that path is upon him and the full effect of the suffering of the agony that was about to come upon him, he realizes, Father, if you're willing. He understands the power of the Father's will. He understood that it wouldn't be his ability to exercise his will to force something upon the Father, but it was upon the Father's will. And Father, if you're willing, if you're willing, and that's the first focus that we look at, the risk that Jesus took, He had such an intimate relationship with his father that he could ask a question like that. He could go to the father and say, is there another way? Is there another path? Is there some way around this? Father, if you're willing. He knew if the father willed it, 
it would be. So he knew the rejection, the torture, and the soon death of crucifixion. The father who willed his birth, he made an appeal. Could we do something about my death? Could we take it a different direction? This is a powerful, raw moment of, of the humanity of Christ. Jesus asks, is there any chance we could adjust this a little? Mm. I don't know about you, but if I was in Jesus' shoes, when it came time before Pilate, I wouldn't have just told Pilate that if I wanted to, I could call upon legions of angels. I would have done it. I, I would have said, okay, you, you don't believe me? Watch this, angels. And I believe that Jesus has that authority and he could have done that. You know, that, that's part of the, the, the mystery of his incredible goodness that he was going to experience the agony of agonies that we experience on planet Earth. And he had the ability to do something about it but he was so submitted to Father's will that he resisted the temptation to exercise his will, to override the Father's will. And he said, Father, if you're willing. Mm. He knows that there's an intimacy between him and, and his Father, that he honors that relationship above everything else. And I think you'll find that in your walk with the Lord Jesus, there will be opportunities for you to realize that you have come to a crossroad where something else is trying to come in between the intimacy that you have with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And will try to see if it can get you to exercise your will and take a detour. But Jesus is not just an example for us, he's an example of us that there is a relationship with the Father that can be so intimately strong that you have gone in, in, into the place of understanding how much the Father loves you and have received his love, that you're able to stay the course and say, not my will, but yours be done, and stay on track with the Father's will. I, I love that about, about the Lord. See, there's so much that we have yet to receive of his love. Yeah. And as we receive what we've received, we have the grace to receive more. And, and it's every now and then we'll have these, these divine moments where the love of the Father just overwhelms us. The love of Jesus comes upon us. The presence of the spirit of love and life, the Holy Spirit comes in such a way that we think we've, we've been absolutely arrived to the fullness of love. And the truth is we barely scratched the surface of how much love he has for us. One of the ways that I, I realize there's so much more love that I haven't expressed is that when the enemy starts coming and he starts poking in some of my sweet spots and I find how quickly I allow myself to go another thought 
or another direction rather than staying on the direction of the Father's will. It's like, hmm, there's something about the love of the Father that I haven't experienced. Because why in the world would this have any attraction in my life when He has everything? I reminded of the Norman Rockwell kind of painting of, of an all-church picnic. And there was this little guy, his parents didn't go to church, but he did. And his mom just packed him a, a little sack of peanut butter and jelly, and he took it to the pitch in. And as he goes, there's, there's this, oh, this wonderful granny who just cooks fried chicken and all oh, mashed potatoes and, every, and has this whole picnic basket full of stuff. It's just so amazing. And the little boy's sitting next to them and can smell it. And she says, well, why don't you just join us and bring yours? We'll just put ours together. We'll just throw our food together and we'll just share. And the little boy says, you're not getting my peanut butter and jelly. You'd be surprised how many times the Holy Spirit reminds me that I'm doing one of those, you're not getting my peanut butter and jelly. When, when the Father is wanting to include me in an expression of His love that so transcends anything I've ever seen, known, far superior to my peanut butter and jelly, and yet I somehow want my peanut butter and jelly. There's something about us that to surrender and to submit is one of the hardest things. Because usually when we experience that as a child, we're usually su submitting and surrendering to someone who has power over us. And it's usually not according to our will. It's usually not an invitation to something better. And so the, the enemy loves to try to get that hardwired in our responses that when the Heavenly Father comes to release something to us that is far superior, we think we want our independence. We want our peanut butter and jelly and we, and we hold it back. Point two, Jesus says, take this cup from me. Love has led Jesus to planet Earth for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Hallelujah. The Lord loved the Father so much and He loved us that He was willing to come and to lay down His life. He's, he's risked everything, just as His parents did. And now after three years of ministry, He's to this point in His life. And here's the cup that is before Him. In the Old Testament, the cup is usually a cup of suffering. It's a cup of wrath. It's a, it's a cup that has some kind of very unpleasantness attached to it. And so Jesus is saying, can you take this cup from me? It's hard to drink. Jesus, at this point, I'm reminded of what he told his disciples. He said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And John, beginning at chapter 13 to the end of the gospel, is just a demonstration after demonstration of the love of the, of the Lord Jesus. He showed them the full extent of his love by getting out the, the towel and the basin and washing the disciples' feet. And here he's teaching them just two chapters later, and he says, there is no greater love 
than when you lay down your life for a friend. Hmm. The third part of this verse, not my will, but yours be done. Hmm. Risk believing the Father. Jesus submits. But notice, a lot of times we project how Jesus submits. Sometimes it's the, the tone of helpless submission. There's nothing else I can do about this, so I gotta do it. It's kind of the submission that I have when it's time to get a flu shot. I really don't want one. I try to drag my feet as long as I can, and then it's time for a flu shot. Or it's time for the annual blood draw. Oh gosh, if you, if, if you don't have a fear of needles, you, you can't appreciate this. But if you do, I used to get worked up months before my annual blood draw. And the month before, I would literally start losing sleep. And the week before, I would start getting clammy. And I would get there, and it would be done in a few seconds, and I'm thinking, you big sissy. Why were you so upset about that? That is ridiculous. And next year I begin the whole pattern all over again. And it's just like, what is this irrational fear? But when Jesus submitted to the Father's will, when he said, not my will, but thine, it wasn't a helpless submission. He was fully powerful to do something if he so chose to exercise his will. It wasn't because he was battered into submission. Sometimes we, we, we have a way of getting our friends, our wives, our spouses to submit by beating them over the head with our Bible. Submit to me, I'm your husband. Anybody ever try that? Doesn't work. <laughs> Let me save you some trouble. Don't, 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 don't go there. But sometimes we get battered. And, and as kids, you know, we, we, we would wrestle and we would fight until someone would say uncle, or they would tap out. They would do something that say, okay, I've submitted. Sometimes we submit because we're utterly frustrated. Often spoken in anger. Okay, do it your way. <clears throat> because we can't do anything about it. Say, okay, go ahead. But Jesus' submission was one that was birthed out of perfect trust, even in the midst of human agonization. He perfectly knew his Father and he trusted his Father. All his humanity would come up and all the fears that we have, so those things that would try to come up, but when he submitted and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, it was from a position of intimate relationship and trust in that relationship. He knew that the one who held him in his hands wasn't gonna let go of him. I think that's what happened to all the saints that were martyred for the gospel and those that are still being martyred. It's because they have got a relationship with the Father, God, and with the Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit that is so based on perfect trust and love. 
experiential love, that they're not holding to an ideology that they're willing to die for. They are bonded in a relational connection with God. And so there's, there's, no, there's no debate. There's no question. Father's will, not mine. Perfect trust. One of the hardest tasks that we have as human beings is to accept what we cannot understand. It's hard for us to accept things that just doesn't make sense. And I don't know how, how good you are at talking yourself around things, but when I can't understand it, I just get stuck. But we can do that even when we're at a place of not fully understanding because we've experienced the reality of his love. When we experience his love at this level, then the things that we can't understand, the things that don't make sense, we can submit to because of the relationship. Yeah. So in your devotional, it causes, calls you to take some moments and to just reflect, to revisit the process that you've been going through uh, to calm yourself, hmm. ask the Lord, where do I need to risk love? Where do I need to risk love? First, we've got to have that relationship with Him. But after you've solidified and after you continue down the journey of developing an ever-ongoing perpetual intimacy with God, then it's like, okay, Lord, show me where you want, where's your will for my life today? Where is your will that love gets shown to this person or this situation? How do you wanna manifest yourself today to those around me? So I was just thinking, how much fire does it take to start a fire? I thought that was a really strange question. When Deb and I were in high school, we had a, a, a high school church music group called Sparks, an acrostic that was spelled S-P-A-R-C. And it was singing praises about a redeeming Christ. And our theme song was, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And that was popular back in the early 70s, late 60s. And, and so we would sing that. And, and every time we sang that, it was like, yeah. And we call ourselves the Sparks. It only takes a spark. The spark of his love inside your heart. And I, I don't know where you're exactly at today, but there's been enough dryness to make some really good kindle, kindling. You know, it's like, okay, it only takes a spark and we should just ignite and take off. And it's like, come on, Lord, you send the fire. We have the responsibility to steward the fire once the Father sends his fire. Lord, make my heart ready by love to risk. I'm not calling you to risk out of any willpower of your own. This morning, the call to risk is out of the will of the Father and the loving relationship that is established as the foundation that you then have a basis to risk. So I was praying, I said, Father, what's your will for today? 
what's your will for today? He says, I wanna forgive. There's some folks that need to know that they're forgiven. I wanna extend my forgiveness to my children today, especially the one that's held in guilt and condemnation and shame. I want them to know that the blood of Jesus has totally forgiven them. He says, I want people to be free. My will is that my children would be free. Mm. To be out of, out of the patterns, out of the bondages, out of the, uh, just the, the different way that we get caught in downward spirals. And then he said, I want to birth something new. And I thought, oh, Jesus' birthday. I want to birth something new. Especially for some of us who think we've got all our theology all figured out. He says, I want to birth something new. There's so much more of my ways that my, my children haven't seen. I want them to risk allowing me to birth something new in their heart, their spirit, and their body. He says, I want to go beyond just healing, but he does want to heal. He wants to go beyond healing to meaning. He wants us to have purpose. He wants us to understand our purpose and realize our significance. He wants us to know that we really matter to him. And then the place we always end up, he wants intimacy. He wants a level of relationship to where we're not worried about whether we got fire insurance and get to go to heaven or that we're, we've got all, all our exterior life fairly well managed so that no one can see anything too ugly. But he wants us to know that he values intimacy with us. And for some of us, that's a big risk. A pastoral friend of mine, I'll never forget when he was sharing his testimony, he said the Lord came to him and he said, Will you let me love all of you? And I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. But we have our peanut butter and jelly. Will you allow me to include you in my banquet feast? Will you allow me to secure your fearful heart so that shame won't keep you in the outer courts, but allow you to know that because of my son, you are welcome into the inner chambers of intimacy with me. So Father, we just wanna hear your voice and we say, let your will, not ours, be done today. We want to put the grace that you extend to us center stage and ask for full acceptance. Give us the ability to accept and to receive the divine call to risk out of loving relationship with you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. 
To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.